This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Repeat, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. Disaster Girls is an unironic excavation of disaster movies with profiles as high as the tallest volcano and as low as the Marianas Trench. In order to ensure your safety and enjoyment, please remain calm and keep your ears locked on your hosts, myself, Jordan Cruciola, and me, Amanda Smith. Hello out there, disaster divas. Welcome back to the Disaster Girls podcast. Here I am, your co-host, Jordan Cruciola. And it's me, Amanda Smith. And we are we are getting back into the trenches of the, you know, it's it's made for, well, it's like made for TV disaster kind of movie, but also Tubi, Tubi style, Tubi this TV is, disaster movies. Yeah, this, I mean, granted, this predated the streaming era by quite a bit, yeah, but man, but does that's it what just, it feels like now. Yeah, it's now we realize that it's not so much that it predated the, the, the streaming era. Some of these shows or these movies just kind of inhabited what would be eventually the streaming era they're sort of like the yeah the, the predecessors I've, I've been reading a book on prehistoric mammals like going all the way back to like 250 million years ago mm-hmm. and they're you know they're things that look like lizards but they're like but we see certain traits that are similar in mammals and so <laughs> that is what seas of destruction is to a like streaming channel disaster movie i went to i went to a premiere last night of the movie megan lots of fun um but the, the director gerard johnstone got up there and he was like i can't believe that this is coming true, that this is like playing on a big screen in a theater and it's going to play in theaters. He's like, I always thought this would just show up on Tubi or something. And I felt defensive about Tubi when he said that. You don't get to you don't get to trash talk Tubi and say, oh, I was worried my movie would just get dumped there. You know what's on Tubi? A lot of fucking good stuff. George Honestly, Johnson, that man I love your movie would and I be love you. lucky if... I'm saying lucky if to be. Yeah. Because... Like go see Megan in a theater with people. It's a lot of fun. Uh, but Gerard Johnstone, don't don't talk down yeah. to one of the preempt. You know, what we don't need to have to subscribe to the next platform that gets invented to be fucking free. Yeah. You just show up and you watch things. You watch it. You get weird ads in between. Yeah. You learn about diseases you didn't know you could possibly have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, over and over again yeah i will so say like, like megan the, yeah the Meg, megan I, I i'm not a horror person and i went and saw when i saw glass onion uh it was one of the trailers before glass onion and man did that trailer play in that audience exactly amazing. like they wanted that does seem like a go see it in theaters movie because yeah every i mean the reaction to every single moment in that trailer in the theater i was like man you guys are being played like fiddles yeah You're just dancing for the accordion player behind the screen. And in the trailer, you don't even get to see what song she sings in the movie. She sings? Multiple times. Oh, of course she does. <laughs> is Multiple it you are? Times. I feel like I want to say it's You Are My Sunshine, but I also feel like that's probably too old and it's something modern. There is actually, actually she sings four times. Oh my God. There is an, there is an old song, like an old timey song. There is a contemporary pop song uh-huh. there. And there is an original song that Megan theoretically generates spontaneously that she sings. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. like, I mean, that's the kind of breadth of, of 
musical career that like you see in an American Idol contestant. Like, look at Megan. <laughs> look at Megan. Look at Megan go. She's also a pianist. Of course she is. She plays another pop song on her tiny piano. It's a tiny piano. Well, yeah, because she's a doll. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. So what you what you've seen in the trailer, they didn't just show. They didn't just take the trailer. Yeah. And show you all the good stuff. There's there are many treasures within. Yeah, I I feel like watching the trailer, I was like, this is a movie that knows exactly what it's supposed to be. And so they're going to give you all of the things that you're like, they are just going to set out the buffet so that you may dine upon all of the moments they know that you're expecting and waiting for. Like the gorilla run, the the gorilla run on all fours. Even Oh, my God. When you see it as it's happening, like the lead up to it is very, very good. Yeah, this might be one of the few times where I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to see a horror movie because it's such an absurd like there's no risk in my life Mm -hmm. that I'm going to end up with a niece who then I raise with a robot who's been told to protect her. (laughs) So I feel like that might like I feel like that might be safe enough for me to watch it. Well, um, and I did. I ended up at a after at an event after with multiple talking to multiple people who all were like, "I don't actually like watching horror movies because I don't like scary stuff." But this was fun. Like yeah. it was. I was with a, a crowd of multiple people who can confirm if scary things aren't really your jam. They were like, "No, but this one was good though. This one was fun. Like it didn't scare me. It didn't scare me enough to be a problem." Yeah. So like it's good. It's good jump scare stuff, but not like, oh no, existential dread. The world is being taken. Well. Who knows if the world's being taken over? I mean, it like I am exist. There is I do have existential dread about like the concept of robots and AI. But yes. by the same token, that's I'm I'm not scared of like a robot child doll. I'm scared of like <laughs> uh, I just watched a police robot run over a grenade. It was trying to disarm. <laughs> I'm more concerned about the police robot dogs. Like yeah. that's yeah, that's my concern. Less so than AI for children. And. And then here in here now, when, when did Seeds of Destruction? Because Megan, obviously coming up, when Seeds of Destruction? How long you know, ago that's a great question. I don't know. Um, I want to say it would have been like early 2000s, but let me just really quickly Google this. Maybe, I'm going to say like maybe early 10s. 2011. Okay. Okay. Yeah, 2011. So this is now an 11-year-old movie. I I love that this movie stars Adrian Pastar. Yeah. He's a, he is a, him and Casper Van Dien. Perfect. Are two such perfect yeah. DTV disaster movie guys. Yeah, this is like they knew exa- when he was cast in Heroes. Yeah, as yeah. sort of a slimy politician. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, that's it. You know, we, you and I were talking before this about character actors like having their specific niche, and you don't have a jawline like Adrian Pastar, which without being the kind of character actor who's either a slimy politician, yeah. or a government guy who suddenly realizes that he needs to make the right choice. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Those are, those are his modes. And I, you know, and that's independent of the fact that like, obviously I am teen team, whichever Dixie chick he cheated on. Yeah, of course. I think it was Natalie Maines. Like I'm, I, I would never want the man in my life personally. Um, but you know what? In these movies, you see him and he's like, yeah, that's, that dude is doing exactly what his head was grown for. If John yeah. Hamm didn't have a better sense of humor, John Hamm would be doing this as well. Like, I, gosh, that would be, I want to see, I do want to see John Hamm in like an eight-legged freaks style disaster movie. Like the one where it's yeah. like, listen, we know what we're doing here. I think he would really eat that up. Oh, yeah. No, I think John Hamm. But John not Hamm one that's played pull. straight like this. No, no, no. John Hamm, in, in the current iteration of John Hamm, absolutely like, 
he needs to be in a self-referential, self-aware disaster movie. Yeah, he needs to say very gravely, it's a fire twister. But yeah. like with that wink and a nod that what that we would need from a John Hamm performance. Exactly. But if John Hamm hadn't become John Hamm. Yeah. And had stayed like, but if he hadn't, if Matt Wiener hadn't looked at him and been like, yeah, you look like an alcoholic ad man from the 60s. <laughs> yeah. Um, then yeah, I think that we could have very easily gotten a, we could have gotten a John Hamm instead of Adrian Pastar in this sort of role. Yeah. If it had been the future, if it had been the present where like just every funny guy that John Hamm was friends with yeah, coming up in Hollywood, like broke out more than he did. And he was just doing like bit parts in their movies. Like, and he was doing like, like Liz Lemon boyfriend kind of thing in 30 Rock. He could have absolutely had a DTV disaster movie career in his back pocket. Well, see, but he can't do that. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, I think that ultimately, but we don't have that future. Instead, we have Adrian Pazdar. So we have Adrian Pazdar, exactly. As as the most notable person in this. Doing important work. Yeah, being, being, you know, a government guy and then also not believing in miracles until a miracle happens to him. Yep. I appreciate (laughs) it. So the premise of this movie just... To like, in the most broad sense, is there is some sort of biogenetic lab that is for reasons, yeah, developing genetically modified plants. But these plants, some of their seeds at least, come from the actual Garden of Eden because yes. the Garden of Eden guys don't know if you know this, it was real, <laughs> right? Yes, it was a real thing that happened in this universe, and we're all going to approach it like it was real. Um, unless you're Adrian Pastar, in which case you won't believe it's real. Yeah, but, then he's the skeptic. Right. But uh, so then, of course, the seeds get loose, as they often do, and start wreaking havoc on the nat- on the world. But the most important thing about the seeds is that they can magic, the plant's leaves can magically heal you. Yeah. If this guy, it seemed like the, the, the seeds were discovered in like an archaeological dig. Yes. And then they were, they were bogarted by like the lead scientist on that initiative who made it such a secret uh priority to tap the potential of the garden of eden that he like cut out his scientific research partner who becomes our protagonist lady scientist dr lady scientist and he's like i want to save the earth which is ravaged by so much decay by using these original seeds of life to restore the world. But surprise, guys, the ter- the terra of the Garden of Eden, that is not the same growing environment uh, as it is today. The, the land is too corrupt. Mm-hmm. And so apparently the response that these Garden of Eden seeds have now to our toxic, tortured soil is they become fucking super plants yeah. that destroy... That, like, are just on a reclaim the earth mission, basically. Yeah, you end up with these, like, big root systems that look like some Jack and the Beanstalk shit. Um, Very much so. One thing I really appreciated about this movie was that they didn't show us... Normally, you and I are like, we need more evidence of destruction. Yeah. And in this case, we mostly saw, like, these ridiculous vines growing very rapidly and breaking apart, really cracking open roads yeah they like breaks they they, we get like one of those great uh bad cgi wide shots of like sacramento having been destroyed by the vines yeah but by the same token we don't really get any sense of like why this is a particularly pressing or dangerous situation beyond that we have these very and i didn't need that i was like you know what you guys all think that these vines are a threat i'm gonna go with you on this like yeah we need to stop them 
Yeah. I have a backyard. Weeds are inconvenient. (laughs) I have a backyard. I loved the satellite footage. Oh my God. Expanding plants. Yeah. Where you just see like desert becoming green and it's bad. Yeah. It's just like, we just, we see the vines growing rapidly, rapidly, rapidly. Mm -hmm. And every time they showed one of those images, I was delighted. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, it was, it was one of the few times I was like, I don't need to see more evidence of like, at one point they go. So there's also separately from Adrian Pastar and Dr. Lady Scientist, there is a second group of younger oh, right. environmentalists. Yes. Um, One of whom is just like a generically hot, like she's very, like, she probably would have just played a bikini girl in any of the Prana movies. Yeah. And I'm thrilled for her that she's gotten a role in this because she gets full speaking and everything. She is mm-hmm. a secondary lead. Good for her. Yeah. I have no idea who she is otherwise. No. Um, And then her friend who films things. Um, yeah. And they are both environmentalists. And that is their eco warriors. And they were initially at this mining site where the seeds, the reason the seeds get loose is because a guy who works in the labs is going to hand off the seeds to um, another guy. He's going to sell them. Yeah. And it turns out that it's actually a government conspiracy, but we don't really care about that. The point is, is that they were going to try and stop this guy. Like the government conspiracy was they basically were going to kill this man and keep the seeds to mm. make sure that the seeds don't get out into the world. But instead they kill the man and the seeds fall out of his pocket because he mm. was not exercising good lab safety skills. <laughs> yeah. And so the seeds were just loose rattling around in his pocket and they fall into the earth and they open up. The reason that we know this happens is because hot environmentalist girl and her filmmaker or his her filming buddy yeah. are at a mine because some quote, some bastard is egregiously polluting this mine with toxic waste. If we don't catch them in the act, they're gonna ruin this whole area. Yeah. Which I don't I don't want to discourage anyone from, you know environmental uh, like your environmental awareness and your passion projects and things like that but guys if if there is a mine i hate to tell you this but the environment is already polluted yeah i love the they're polluting the mine this mine yeah it's, like, it's gonna be we're that, that we're sailed. out of the order of operations here yeah it's a bit off the yeah. guys how dare they pollute the mine it's the whole area oh. is going to, what's going to happen to this whole area? They're going to ruin it? Well, guess what <laughs> yeah. happened when they made the mine? Yeah, the the toothpaste is out of the tube Yeah, on the environmental damage for this one, gang. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I was going to go into my, like, ethical mining and resources as my geology, that was me, my grad school path, and uh-huh. um, gang, not great stuff. Yeah, yeah. Even the most ethical mining is still, you know, digging the fuck into the earth and mining. It's still Um, mining. But I did appreciate. I love like I love in these movies when they're kind of just like, well, we need to give them a passion and and we need to give them like a righteousness. They need a a passion. They need a passion and a righteousness. And so, you know, they're going to be eco warriors. But it's like. But we we don't care enough about their cause to give them a cause. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're just going to do this instead. Shoot. And I, I appreciate that. So, yeah. So there's a secondary <laughs> group of, of leads and they eventually converge, obviously. But like, yeah. So eco the eco warrior team goes at one point to their friend's house um, who is. He's supposed oh, to yeah. Be like, that guess, little drop in of a character. Yeah. He's supposed to be like a hacker or something, but um, he's not. He, it's very confusing. It's, 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 there are a lot of things that happen in this movie where you're like, I know what you're t- trying to shorthand tell me. 
Yeah. And so I'm yeah. going to go with it on it because you're shorthand telling me. Yeah. But all of the things that the characters are saying make no sense. Like the mine is being polluted. You're like, this sounds like this was written by an AI. Yeah. Yeah. Like, very, yes. That's a very good point. This sounds yeah. like it was being, it's being written by an AI. Yeah. Like I know what shorthand you're giving me about these characters, but the words don't match what the meaning is. And like, <laughs> likewise at one point, this, the guy who I don't remember, I can't remember his name is like, snack or something or like spit was it oh spit? yeah yeah that yes it was he has oh, some stu- um because it's and it's because he he's always eating sunflower seeds oh that's what it was he's always okay. i that was what that was the only thing i could think of yeah because he's always he like they made it his character tick that he was eating sunflower, eating sunflower seeds, seeds the entire time he was like hacking the gibson to I like get them information that. about did, where yeah. the seed would be i guess um, like here's where the origin point is of this thing you need to find. And right. he kept eating sunflower seeds and spitting them out the entire time. Well, I that think makes, that was it. That makes perfect sense, actually. I'm that tracks. I get that now. I don't okay. know why the sunflower seeds was but I, you know, I'm not gonna criticize that any more than I would criticize Woody Harrelson having a freezer full or a fridge full of pickles. Yeah, the pickle addiction. The pickle God. addiction. That just occurred to me. So the he opened a weed shop in my neighborhood. And he's there Woody sometimes. Harrison? Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Yeah. He opened a weed shop in the neighborhood and he's there sometimes. And so I need to just camp out there so I can ask him about the pickles in 2012. This just occurred to me that I, I should I feel do like this. that's the kind of question he's around to ask, you know? I think there's no other question that he'd like to ask, to be to answer, <laughs> honestly. Like, if I walked up and was like, I am so sorry, I'm such a big fan. I have to ask you, were the pickles your choice or was it a Roland Emmerich? Was that written into the script? Yeah. That's a good I question. think that he would be completely bewildered and then he would be delighted to answer that question. <laughs> God, I've got just... to believe it's not one that he's tired of answering. I don't I think, think he's ever been asked that. a lot. I don't think he gets that question much. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that is much like how like I would go up to Delroy Lindo and ask him about acting choices he made as Baz in The Core. I don't yeah. think he gets asked that very often. Yeah. Similarly, I don't feel like Woody Harrelson top 10 questions like Eight of those 10 questions are about weed. And then the last two questions are going to be about cheers, right? Yeah. Like that has to be the breakdown for Woody <laughs> yeah. Harrelson. Yeah. Yeah. So, so no, I, oh man, now I got to do this. Anyway, uh, so going back to Spit, when Spit, at one point when he's hacking, he says, I'm offline. Mm. And the lady crusader is like, well, can you get back on? Yeah. Then he holds up just some cable. He, oh, cable got knocked out. And, he, and it like, turns out that like he just accidentally unplugged his modem and, and that like, resolves the issue. And nobody moved. It just fell out. And it's also right. like, oh, no, I'm offline. My cables fell out. And then he plugs them back in and he's immediately online again. And yeah. none of his work has been slowed or corrupted or stalled. And it's like, I'm sorry. We've all unplugged and replugged our modems. Uh-huh. This is not an instantaneous reboot. This but is I, not that's why an instantaneous kind of like, return to online. It felt like this was kind of written by AI in that sense of like, oh, yeah. this is a thing. This is the thing that happens in this scene, but like not in a way that is tangible or real or even has tension. You're just like, oh, no. okay, you needed that. Like you input it into the computer, but the computer doesn't understand why that moment is there no. to add tension. And so I like it was... There were those moments where those kinds of moments where I just like, this is really weirdly funny, but not maybe intentionally, but I'm not laughing because it's bad. I'm laughing yeah. because it's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that wasn't that and the and the the mine thing was or oh when um 
the crusaders were driving backward uh-huh. from their drive at one point there so they're they're driving away from the the scene because all yeah. of a sudden everything's gone crazy <laughs> and they're driving away from the scene and at one point they have to drive in reverse because of course you have to drive in reverse you it's have to drive in reverse you can't have a disaster movie without a moment of tension where you're driving in reverse while no outrunning a disaster doesn't have all the gusto it can unless you at some point have to drive full speed in yeah. reverse Look, you're driving away from a disaster either way, but at some point you need to be pointed toward it while moving in the opposite <laughs> You've direction. You've got to see it coming yeah. at you and yeah. not just in the rear view mirror. No. So like we've done that too many times. Like, <laughs> when Steven Spielberg had the had the T-Rex, it had to be topped. Yeah. But yeah, when she and she, Joe, where are you going? This is crazy. And it's like he's just reversing down. And, <laughs> oh no, it wasn't even that he was running away from it was that there was traffic stopped and the vines were coming at them. And he Oh just went, God, that's right. When he went in reverse and like went around a corner at an intersection. And I'm like, dude, I've done that. <laughs> when I decide I want to get a parking space, I just drove past. Like, this is not that crazy, man. Also, when they're when they're fleeing, when they're fleeing with they're at Spitz house. Yeah. And they're like, we gotta get out of here. They're running and like they just like, man, poor Spit. He's like running out with them. Then he's like, I've got to go save my cat. Yeah. And like I get the instinct, but also that cat's out of there. Right. That cat well, has yeah. saved itself that cat, i don't yeah. know if you'll ever see your cat again because it's gone into the wild to yeah. escape the the vines but reality like, index spit has an outdoor cat like yes. i don't believe that spit has an indoor cat i'm sorry that's the thing that is least <laughs> believable about this entire movie is that Spit's spit cat... is not tending a litter box no so he's gotta have an outdoor cat that is an outdoor cat for sure so i don't know like spit just wanted but spit dies by and then he gets just... swallowed by the earth yeah yeah like so that's the thing that's in terms of the tension of this movie, and this is part of why I don't really need to know why we need to stop the vines. I just, I will believe it because it's so ridiculous. Why not? Yeah. Is the actual threat of the vines themselves. Mm. Like how deep are they going into the earth? Like 20 feet maybe? Right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, like they're, I feel like they're going very deep, but they're not like continuing to plunge like into the core. I it's mean, not yeah. like they're going to split the earth in half. Because they become too much in all ways. Like, and do they, because like, it seems like they're growing on a path. It's not like they're just growing out as a solid mass. Yeah. So they're not like, it's not like, oh, if we don't stop this thing, it's going to fill up the entire United States. It's going to like carve a path through. It seems like the speed is like, why is it a problem that she's like, it's going to hit the ocean and then we're fucked. Because the is ocean because is so tectonic polluted. Plates? No, it's because the ocean is so polluted oh. that it will supercharge the vines. Okay, so yeah, that's what, it, that's right. The the yeah. These vines are super catalyzed to growth by our poison soil. Yes, and since the ocean is so grotesque and disgusting, it will, because <laughs> I was initially like, well, yeah, but then it'll stop at the ocean, so what's the problem? But I guess then it will like double back and it'll just overfill the continent um, they kind of seem to imply, I was like, I don't, I don't know if this is a problem outside of the U S and, or like <laughs> not the U S but let's say like the North and South American continents. Yeah, I think yeah. It seems exclusively an issue for us because it, we haven't been given any indication of how it'll travel. I mean, I guess like seed pods can travel, whatever. Anyway, the point is, is that yes, the, the concern is if it reaches the ocean, it will explode in size and power. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I still like. The vines are inconvenient. 
but spit getting knocked, thrown through the air and then knocked into a crevice. Yeah. Like, I'm not convinced that spit isn't alive at the bottom of a 10 foot hole and they just abandoned <laughs> him, is I guess my point. Right. Like how deep are these crevasses? Right. And we created really gonna, by the vines. Yeah. We're just told like we we're never really given any indication of what the actual and we watch these these vines are not quite like not quite little shop of horror targeted, but they are flipping <laughs> humans through the air pretty easily. Yeah. And it doesn't seem unintentional. Um and I'm, I just, I would have, if they had given me a reason what, of what the danger to humans was. Yeah. I wouldn't have been opposed. Cause it's I like, also, cause everything in its path is definitely in danger. Like it's going right. to swallow houses and stuff. Like it's going to fuck up infrastructure. So like, you know, yeah. get people out of the way. Right. That's the thing. Like even just, you know. Okay, it'll, it'll mess up some foundations. Like I can see why it'd be a problem in Sacramento, but it's not like okay, <laughs> it it might level Sacramento for the most part, but it's not like it, it's Amanda's going... really letting her SoCal bias come through right now, being like, "Listen, we lose Sacramento." Okay, I, no, hey, you know this isn't. It's not a dig on Sacramento. I'm just more thinking of like the human toll of it. Mm-hmm. Is I guess like I'm trying to figure out, and I just. I feel like this is a movie with an ex- probably the lowest body count of any movie we've seen. But they no, want, I put it in the, the lower I, I body count. This too, is, I think sure. that honestly, the only people who die in this movie is the guy who gets shot by the snipers. <laughs> well, and and possibly spit. Oh, and maybe spit. But like, I'm not convinced <laughs> spit's dead. I'm so, like the movie. The movie is telling me these people are dying and that there is. Yeah. A writ, but like, I'm not sure that I believe that's true, but I care because they all care. Well, it's also like, I, I guess that's the distinction. It's like I just want to say, like, I don't think that these these plants are particularly like. This is probably, I think, the lowest stakes movie we've watched. It's pretty low stakes. It's super low stakes in the sense of like, wow, I don't, I, I don't feel like I'm watching people die as this is happening. But I recognize <laughs> that the movie wants me to feel like it's very high stakes, and mm. I'm willing to go along with it, which I won't say yeah. is true of all of these movies. Yeah. So, uh, like, it's a weird distinction that I want to, you know, give it credit for. Of like, yeah, good job, guys. I, I, this is also another one of those, you know, environmental terror movies where it's like, yeah, but the mad scientist is right. Like, you know, Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Vera Farmiga was right. And in the end, the movie, and in the end, Earth in Godzilla, King of the Monsters universe does, is aided in an ecological recovery by the radiation that accompanied the kaiju exactly as was intended in her mastermind villain plan. Yes. To, like loose the kaiju and their like radioactive trails will s- help the planet recover because we have damaged it so horrendously. And then like you get that montage of news clippings at the end that are like vital flora and fauna coming back to life. Like, it pract- you know, considered extinct plants being revived kind of thing. It's like, oh, so her plan was good. Yeah. Like, and justify the means, but like, so her plan worked is what you're telling me. And in this one, it's like, yeah, the mad scientist, he didn't mean for those seeds to be planted yet. He knew that this was like too dangerous and that our soil would not play nicely with the Garden of Eden seeds. Yeah. But it was like an accident that the seeds fell out of his, the one guy's pocket and fell into the ground and became super overwhelming killer vines. But like the, the, rogue scientist is totally correct and he's created 
a garden of Eden of his own in a private compound Mm -hmm. where like the plant life is so restored and incredible that it literally will like heal gunshot wounds. So I have a hard time rooting against him because he's right. And also didn't mean for this to happen. Like he didn't unleash this. He, it has happened. And now he can play a part to stop it. So I wasn't like, Oh no, fucking mad scientist guy. It was kind of like, Hey, everybody should listen to this guy and do whatever he's doing in his garden everywhere. Yeah, it's a real, like, the messenger wasn't ideal, but the message wasn't wrong (laughs) kind of situation. Yeah, Yeah, like, meh, he probably should have been conducting these sorts of, like, rogue experiments off the grid. Yeah. Totally agree. Yeah, like, maybe should have had better, you know, infosec to keep the guy, the random employee from being able to smuggle out seed pods and then try and sell them on the black market. Like, totally agree. Fully. Yes. Why do you think... Why do you think we need, because he's like, we can't kill the taproot because we have to study it. But there are still seed, there are still Garden of Eden seed pods in his lab. It's not the only sample he has. So why is he like, we can't stop the taproot. I will sabotage you, Adrian Pazdar and Dr. Lady Scientist. Uh, You want to kill it. I, hey, we can't do that. We have to preserve it. But he still has more seeds. Well, like, and we I don't have to. There's one of two one. answers to that. One could be in character of like, well, he's seen it. He, you know, it's it's the dangerous nature of scientific curiosity, and that sure, sure, he, sure. you know, it, he has seen it and is now clouded by his own arrogance of being able to believe that he can control it. The same way that like John Hammond didn't want to, you know, institute the lysine protocol and kill all the dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Then there's the script need side, which is. Mm-hmm. Honestly, we need like one more moment in this movie to create a real conflict. And also we want to see Adrian Pastar get shot so we can see him get healed by the gun, by right, the yeah. uh, plant leaves. Totally. So uh, it's going to be convenient here. And we're just going to have the mad scientist decide that he's going to shoot everybody. Yeah. Um. So it could go either way. I think that, you know, the way I kind of, I didn't even think about the fact that he had seed pods. I was just kind of like, oh, it's the arrogance of scientists. Like, yeah, yeah I'm I think that's the easiest answer on it. But sure. the truth is, is it's that it's the hand wavy disaster yeah. movie logic of like, why does that need to happen? Because we say it does. Yeah. And I because think that's he definitely yeah. like it's not the one and only resource that he has. Right. They, they and the movie kind of treats it like it is. Yes, but also it's not convenient for the because then they need to have a serum, so they also need to have additional seeds. So it's it's mm-hmm. kind of just a situation of like, well, eh, we're going with it. Yeah, like we're just gonna we need the guy to be a little evil in the end, so we're gonna have him be a little yeah. evil in the end. That I that honestly like that feels. Why not? I like it when I I I I'm on board for when like the mad scientist goes rogue and anything. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Have him shoot the most Adrian just Pastar. like benign seeming mad scientist too. Yeah, yeah. Like just, a, just an uncle, yeah, an older just, uncle guy. He has a real like old hippie vibe too. Like yeah, he's got like he longer white hair. He definitely feels like someone who like you find out that he used to be a hippie and live on a commune, and now he just is like. I mean, he's made a commune, a plant commune, exactly. For himself. Yeah. So I mean, like this is you know, and and now he just this guy could just as easily be running your local coffee shop and you're like oh, oh yeah yeah man haven't i seen you in the wild country documentary and he's like yeah, yeah that was a crazy <laughs> time for me like absolutely could be that that's the kind of guy this was and i yeah sure let mm-hmm. him let him shoot adrian pastar i'm cool with it like he gets he he gets better i loved adrian pastar revealing his very sad backstory oh yeah where like he's like he doesn't believe in miracles he doesn't believe in god and then He's like, 
Well, my wife and daughter got in a car accident. She died immediately. And kid went to the hospital. Then she died too. It's it like, was so bleak. Oh my God. Like, and not long ago. Wasn't it just like a couple years? Yeah. I it's mean, not like ten yeah. a decade ago. Like, still like well in the grieving period, I would say, of losing your fucking yeah. spouse and child. And it would like the way it happens in just like a helicopter ride. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. This man's life is so sad. <laughs> like, holy <laughs> shit. A helicopter ride after he informs the guy who's about to get in the helicopter with him not to get on because this is a one way ticket. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm this man's ready to die. Yeah. I really hope the helicopter pilot didn't hear him say that. I would be so. <laughs> part of the helicopter pilot, I'd be like, excuse me, what? Well, you're not letting we... that man get on this helicopter, but you're letting me fly it. Don't we lose the helicopter pilot? Of course we lose the, yeah, helicopter, we lose the pilot. helicopter pilot. He gets too. shot. So he's right. It's a one-way ticket. It's a one-way ticket. Like he doesn't just, they, we don't just lose the helicopter pilot because of course the hippie scientist, like with his commune has fully armed guards with a, like with assault yeah. rifles. He has a, he has a small. He's a militia. Um, yeah. What's a mercenary? He's like a mercenary yeah. protective force. Yeah, he's got black ops like running around his little garden area. And so, you know, it's it's I felt bad for the helicopter pilot because he didn't sign up for any of this. No, he was truly just at work. Yeah, he signed. And, and I don't think even if Adrian Pastar's character knew that it was a one way ticket, I don't think he anticipated it was a one way ticket that would involve the helicopter pilot being I think he thought that like, oh, we're gonna for die us, because it, for us. Yeah, it's it's like we we're gonna stop this. Come what yeah. may, the helicopter pilot will just be back in the helicopter and he'll be fine. But no. for those of us going into danger, this is a one way ticket. Nope, that helicopter. And he pilot was like the only one who died. Yes, if if anybody, if I hear someone say this is a one way ticket, I'm gonna ask for a lot of clarification on that. I feel like the <laughs> the helicopter pilot should have been given more information than he was given, and I felt yeah. very bad for him. Um, but I did, I knew that as soon as I heard, like, earlier, we heard Adrian Pastar be like, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in miracles. And I was like, yeah, yeah. we're going to find out what gritty, dark thing happened to him. And I was expecting it to be like when I was in Kandahar. Yeah. You know, or some like, I thought it was going to be a military sort of war story. I thought it was going to be something from, like, way in the past. Yeah, I was not expecting. My wife died, and then my daughter fell into a coma, and I prayed to God, and nothing happened. And yeah. then my daughter died. And then my daughter like, died. Oh, God. Yeah, that like, is... oh, my God, you're a widower, and you lost your child? Yeah. Like, like I don't... Yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody should try and talk you out of your doubt. Yeah. Like, they can they can encourage you. They can try and supportively, like, care for you and, and provide solace. But to be like, you know, you just haven't really... Have you tried smiling? Like, you just haven't thought about it from the right perspective, Adrian Pazdar. It's like, no, there's no perspective left for Adrian Pazdar. No, there's, I did not, and, and, and short of, I don't know why, I don't know why the leaf healing his gunshot wound would make him believe in God. Right. Oh. Yeah, like, no one gets to tell him how to feel ever. Yeah. Like, nope. I didn't need... The weird, this is a weirdly theological without theology movie. Yeah, it is. It is. They they make the activist woman kind of like the pro-Bible girl. Yeah. In a way that's like, what's this for? Yeah. It, Who on the production is just like, but we need more Jesus. Yeah. But it's not like Jesus. It's just sort of like amorphously like 
I don't like this term, but it's Judeo-Christian. Right, yeah. In the the way that people who use that term earnestly mean it to be, where it's like, ah, Judaism is just an extension of Christianity, and this is actually proof that Christianity is real. You know, Jews don't like to be in the Judeo-Christian lump. Let's let's just clarify that. But that's, um, that's Judeo-Christian isn't a thing that Jewish folks say. We never it? say that. No. No, 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 we don't. We don't consider Jude because we don't consider uh, ourselves to be the predecessor to Christianity. We're like, that's fun fan fiction you guys wrote afterward. Like, we, yeah, we have yeah. our we have our books and then you guys have something separate that has. Yeah. Nothing to do with us. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, no, Jews don't call things Judeo-Christian unless they're super right-wing and trying to be weirdly Islamophobic. So, Jews uh, for Jesus. Those, those aren't Jews. Yeah, those that's are, not a are, Jewish person. Are, yeah, they're just not. <laughs> like, they're just not. Also, you know, like, we don't, we don't do that. Yeah, um, nope. Nope. No, nope. that's all. like one of the ten, one of the main parts of our faith is that like, no, that didn't happen. Yeah, it's kind of like it's almost like it's like jumbo shrimp. It's like, guys, no, we've just that doesn't. Yeah, that's that doesn't exist. No, like it's just a silly thing we say. It's not real, though, because right. it's a shrimp. It can't really be jumbo. It can't be jumbo. Can be, it can be bigger than the other shrimp. But inherently, no shrimp is jumbo. Right. So <laughs> you're just saying silly words together. Yes, it's just branding. You're just rebranding. <laughs> You're just branding. Like, yeah. Jews for Jesus is just rebranding another flavor of Christianity. <laughs> it's like the new, it's like new Coke. You're like, okay, it's well, new Coke. You're still trying to get the taste of Coke, but better. Yeah. <laughs> You're still, it's like, it's not going to be Sprite. Right. No. Like, no one's going to be like, ah, a Sprite. You mean new Coke. Yeah. <laughs> You mean new? Co- ah, you got me. And it's like, no, no, no. They're two totally separate things. <laughs> they, they don't need to be. And when you put them all together, guess what happens? You don't taste the Sprite anymore. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. true that the the flavor is gone. The flavor and all you taste is Coke. And that's <laughs> why Judeo-Christian isn't real. There we go. This there we go, guys. Vital, this is a vital <laughs> piece of text. Now, I mean, if we're talking about Adrian Pazdar's spirituality, yeah. In in Seeds of Destruction. Yes, this is vital. This is important. So the point is, is yeah, this movie is like amorphously sort of like the Bible was real, but we're not going to actually ascribe any. There's no like it's an interesting thing. They, they basically are like, well, we're going to have the common language of everyone just agrees and accepts that the Bible as it yeah. exists in the King James Version. That's the Bible. That's and the Bible. Like, oh, OK, <laughs> sure. I'll go with you guys on this. And so everyone kind of just in this movie has this sort of agreement head nod of like, yeah, the Bible's real. Um, but in the context of the earth itself, as opposed to like, yeah, they're like, this movie doesn't posit that the earth is 6,000 years old. They're like, the things in the Bible were real. Yeah. And like it's a, it's a, it's a timeline of things that happened in actual history. Physically yeah. happened. Yeah. It's just that it, you know, in a, in the human time span versus like the geologic time span. So yeah, there's sort of just this weird, like, broad religiousness without it being focused to the point where I'd be like, this is propaganda. So it's not that. No, no. It's just sort of like, yeah, we're all just going to agree. Like, God's real, but we're not going to say which God. We're just going to say, like, the God. And y'all know what we mean, right? You know, it's this weird. This movie doesn't have a disaster child. Yeah, yeah. It feels like this movie would have, like, a disaster Christ this movie, child. 
totally well this movie should either have an abandoned disaster child that they adopt yeah, that adrian pastart replaces his his, his child with. expired child with yeah. right that's his reward for believing in god again yeah yeah i feel like it it should either be a random child or it would be the uh dr lady scientist should have a, a child yeah child of dr lady scientist yeah sure. i feel like that and like who is the one who's like well god said that in the garden of Eden, yeah <laughs> like that kind it's, of creepy precocious exactly. child yeah, yeah i feel like we should get that um which i do i agree but this was one of those weird things where like i feel like this movie was very it had a very small cast yeah this was when we talk about the and it might have been because we did even though it didn't feel particularly disaster it had a very high density of disaster effect. Yeah, it did. We saw, like, it wasn't like they were just talking about those vines. No. Those vines were the were the way that New York was the fifth woman in Sex and the City. Yeah. The vines were the fifth character in this movie. They were. There were they four were, main were characters in the across vines. the landscape. Yeah, we got plenty of it. And they were just showing up everywhere. There was a very tense sequence where the, you know, ecology duo... We're trying to scale a fence. Yeah. And the guy couldn't climb the fence and the vines were coming toward him. Yeah. And that was a real threat. And I was like, you know, we're getting a lot of, I appreciate how much they are giving us of these not good special effects, but you know, it's the opposite problem of like the food was terrible in such, such small portions. They're like, yeah. no, the food <laughs> is terrible. This is the golden corral. Like <laughs> the food sucks, but you can have as much of it as you want. Here's a buffet. Yeah, but you're not leaving hungry. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to pay $15 if you go at lunch and <laughs> you can stay for four hours. And that's how much vines we're going to give you. Same thing. I really, I really liked the, uh, I liked the creative solution of in uh, Mad Scientist's Garden of Eden that he had built. Like he had basically restored his own soil to the purity levels of like the garden of Eden of biblical times. And so the vines couldn't get through his compound because it was Mm -hmm. too clean. And I thought that was cool. Yeah, I like that as like a, as like a world building thing about what this guy's really been up to in his compound. It's like, Oh, that's pretty fucking neat. Yeah. I like that. I appreciate that. Cause initially, so what happens initially is that the eco terror, the not terrorists, the eco like warriors, um, are like trying to get to this location to get to the compound because they know that's where this is all originated. And they um, are trying to like scale a fence and the girl scales the fence and then the guy tries to, but he can't scale the fence and he's like having issues climbing a chain link fence. Um, you know, as one does. Sometimes climbing a oh, chain yeah. link fence is hard and there's barbed wire at the top, which they do both gasp at. Yeah. <laughs> they appreciate it. I like how they're like, wow, someone didn't want anyone getting in here. And it's not like it's 15 layers of razor wire yeah. and like concrete, like like dividers. It's it's yeah. a simple barbed wire fence. It's, and it's, this guy's like, wow, maximum security, huh? And it's like one, like, it's not what? even like a barbed wire, a fence made of barbed wire. It's a chain link fence that then you get to the top and there is one coil of barbed wire yeah, it's spread like across the top. A, a paranoid country person's yeah. barbed wire fence. Like that's that's the extent of its intensity. I can't climb fences. I could probably climb that fence. Yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not, it's clearly not electrified. Like right. there, there aren't, there are people with guns inside, but it's not like there are turrets of guns. On but that's, this fence. This guy's being a little history. That's the point. This, they still can't climb it. And you know what? 
that's fine for them. So he can't climb it. <laughs> that's fine for them. And it creates a, a moment of tension and terror while she's yelling at him from the other side, you have to climb. And he's like flailing while holding onto the fence. And the vines get up to him and then stop. And I had this brief moment where I'm like, oh my God, please tell me the vines can't tell that he's pure of heart. <laughs> they have judged him. Yeah. They are, yes, they're 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 not only of the Garden of Eden, they are godly in and of themselves these vines that was my they could have been that was my concern so finding out that it was the soil actually i was like fuck yes great let it be the soil i'm yeah let it be science yeah i was so happy that there was an explanation for it that wasn't just well the garden of eden was the time before original sin which they could have easily gone with like that could have been their answer is it was the time before original sin and they can tell that you had good intentions by scaling this wall and therefore they didn't eat you yeah yeah so I appreciated, though, that instead there was an actual logic to it. And yeah, you're right, that we could like see what he was, the si- mad scientist was going for and what yeah. his execution was. And again, not like, really. Shit, this yeah. is a pretty good deal. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not opposed. And he wasn't to like, his plans. it's not like he was to accomplish what he was doing in his own private compound. Yeah. He wasn't like killing people. He wasn't Uh, like, I need one, you know, the problem is I have to nourish the seeds with blood of sacrifices. Like, no. Exactly. Tinkering in a lab until the misfire of the attempt at like a black market sale of one of the seed pods. He was fine. Keeping himself, doing his thing, trying to invent a seed that would save the world. And like all of these movies that are sort of ecologically based, Mm -hmm. they really, it really made me, it really makes me sad. Because, like, we build up to a point where, like, they neutralize the the root, then they blow it up because they have to, of course. And Adrian believes in miracles because he gets healed by a super plant yeah. and from a gunshot wound, et cetera, et cetera. And then, like, Dr. Lady Scientist kind of just, like, seems to just inherit ownership of the mad scientist's lab. It's hers yes. now. And she has made a stable version of the seeds that can, like, interact with our, our terrible soil. Yeah. And they go and they just, like, drop a bunch of seeds in the ground. And it just turns, it like, light and enlivens the grass and it's healing the earth. And I'm just like, it just makes me so bummed because I'm like, God, I fucking wish, man. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like really bad. It's like really bad out there. Yeah. Can, can we make a magic seed that fucking fixes this shit? And I like feel a sadness that we won't because I'm like, I don't know what to do besides magic beans. Yeah. To stop the earth from <laughs> killing us because we have tried to kill it first. I mean, fuck. I loved everything about that last sequence. It was very hopeful it in was a way so that hopeful. I was like not anticipating because we don't normally get the like, ah, but the tech can be used for good resolution yeah. in these movies. We so they didn't rarely just, get like, that. blow up the lab or something. They were yeah. like, she was like, no, I'm going to work. Like, I'm going to build on this guy's good science. And I'm going to restore the earth. Yeah, I really enjoyed and appreciated that. I loved the terrible effects at the end of like the CGI flowers blooming. It was great. I don't, I'm just, I was thrilled by the the outcome of it. And yeah, you know, in lieu of inheriting a disaster child, they inherited a disaster lab. I loved that it was like, that he's like hesitant at that very end. They've dropped the seeds in the ground and then it comes down to him like pouring water water over them. I was like, this is perfectly dramatic. I really like this. I like that he's skeptical. I like that he's like, okay, fucking no going back now. Like, yeah, you should be nervous after what happened last time. I mean, 
in fairness, the the way they plant the seeds was kind of just oh my god, dumping. They don't you guys? They don't, they don't plant, plant the, the seeds. seeds. They simply a- drop a handful of pods on the ground. Yeah, there was it was this very unceremonious. Like there's a a way to in like. You could have had her on all four, like packing the dirt down and being like, well, that's the last one. Yeah. yeah. And instead, <laughs> she just like takes a Tupperware bin and just flips it over. And yeah, we see the and seeds I was like, just. Wait, is that all of them? Do yeah. You and make, like, did there's you no make scattering. More? There's yeah. no like, you're supposed to sow seeds at a certain width apart or something. She just fully just. She not like, and now I will each like, I will give these to 10 scientists and they will take them across the world to like no. restore, restore the Terra. And it, no, we're going to drop them all right here in Utah I, I, which or something. Yeah, it was like it was no, northern Nevada-ish. It, the main cities it targets are Reno and Sacramento, which I was like yeah. thrilled that they get. Well, they so rarely, those cities those are so great. rarely D- get Direct their disaster. Direct to, to video disaster cities right exactly. there. Like they so rarely get their due. And I was, yeah. pre- I was glad that they got their time in the spotlight to get destroyed. Good for Reno. Good for good for Sacramento. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it, it did just kind of technically only get maybe a couple of corners of things, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Hopefully, she didn't pour them all out of that box. Well, there might be more seeds eventually. <laughs> eventually, maybe. I don't know. I'm optimistic. I I'm mean, hopeful. they are, and I yeah. want to believe in what they believe in. Well, they believe in a religion. That isn't said. Yeah. But we all know what it is. So Jordan, you too. Said. You too can get the good word of the thing we're not going to say it is, but it actually is. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So, so we feel like we've. Us, yeah, yeah, I think this takes us to what this movie was really about. Yeah. What do you think, Jor? It's interesting because like. It's like that thing of like the day of the animals where at the mm-hmm. end of it, it's like, oh, don't worry everything will fix itself in 24 hours. Like you're paying this terrible price for killing the ozone. Yeah. But like, woo, thank God that went away spontaneously. Otherwise things <laughs> would be so bad. Right. And like you, there's the mad scientist is right. Like this movie is about, it will take radical, like at this point, we're at the, we're at the point where addressing the, catastrophe of un, um, practically unmitigated climate change to really face it down would require radical life-threatening <laughs> risky mm-hmm. theoretical scientific intervention that might cost us a terrible price <laughs> okay to cost us less than the ultimate price all right and that's so scary that like I this movie ended and I was like I'm fucking scared man I am scared of climate change <laughs> and like because yeah short of finding fucking seeds from the garden of eden mm-hmm. to replenish the earth we have not demonstrated the willingness or ability to stop the train as it's heading for the end of the fucking track man so that to me was that it was like, all right, guys, this is a Godzilla King of the Monsters situation. Like, it's a put up or shut up. It's a it's a make an omelet, break a few eggs situation of are we saving humanity or 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 are we saving some humans? Because it's going to become a choice if we want to actually turn back the clock on how much we have irrevocably fucked up the planet. 
So Jordan, you're saying this is a little bit, a little bit pro ecofascism. I, I think it doesn't realize it's pro ecofascism. Okay. I think it is. And it doesn't realize it's pro ecofascism because to me, that's the inevitable conclusion. Yeah. Even if this movie is like, Jesus will save us. <laughs> Unnamed Jesus will save us. Yeah. It's actually like, no mavericks of science who are willing to make terrible decisions yeah could be our only hope okay i like that i i i actually am on the counter side to this ah i think this is a are you are you a are that make you a a jew for jesus in this podcast episode god no absolutely (laughs) absolutely not no in fact in this case i think this is a movie that is actually about the importance of investing in science and true Yes. And the risk of and the risk of of the capitalism, the way that capitalism and the demands that capitalism places upon us, you know, before we before we started recording, you and I were talking about how like nobody jobs don't just require us to show up and work. They require us to pretend that we enjoy the job that yes. we're doing. Yes. Um, and that like, no, we're happy to be here and eager for more work and <laughs> eager for more work, please. I'm thinking about how this guy, the, the entire movie, the impetus of this movie is a guy who works in this lab doing potentially great work for the environment. Yeah. Still is like, but what I need is money. Yeah. And he clearly doesn't get enough of it that he still decides that he needs to sell this tech to an anonymous buyer who ends up being the government who's going to kill mm-hmm. him anyway. Yeah. But the idea that it's basically that like, it's the Dodson problem or it's the Dodson problem or not Dodson, Nedry problem of we spared no expense except for paying the worker enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This whole movie wouldn't exist if this, if we invested sufficiently in science to the point where this guy didn't have to work off the grid Yeah, and then potentially underplay, pay his employees, Mm -hmm. which then causes one of his employees to go out there and try and sell seed pods that he's just tucked in his pants pocket. Yeah. (laughs) Like none of this would have to happen if we sufficiently invested in the technology that will potentially save this planet. Yeah. Because the technology is, it's like that guy's working on it. He's developing it. This guy is trying to do it. Resourced officially. Yeah. And so the thing is, is that I think this is a movie that the premise or that this movie is really about how we need to invest our, our resources, not in the military, not in the things. The military has a lot of resources in this movie and they waste it. They try shooting. They bomb the thing. Yeah. They bomb the plant. They shoot at it. They do all these different things. We spend probably a couple million dollars trying to kill this plant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, just those missile strikes alone. Yeah. Well, millions of dollars for those sorties maybe instead we should have put that those couple million dollars for those bombs we should have put that into the uh the actual technology itself and that's what we should be so i think that this movie is really about the importance of investing in science and investing in the technologies that won't just enrich other people but will help save this planet and society itself it yes that's what i think this movie is about whether they meant to or not and i gotta say one thing I, one of them had a bumper sticker. the the eco the eco warriors had a bumper sticker in the beginning that I absolutely loved and want to shout out because I I've never seen this bumper sticker in real life, but somebody must have made it. Oh right, yeah. Don't worry about the environment; it'll go away. Yeah, <laughs> that is really funny. I love that. So I was like, that, that is shit, really that is, good. 
I, if the, if someone hasn't made that as merch, I'm going to add that to the Disaster Girl store because yeah. what <laughs> a great bit of merch that is. Yeah. Yeah, I loved that moment. Speaking of, by the way, guys, there is a Disaster Girl store. I am going to throw that out there again. That's right. Yeah. I mean, those stickers. Those stickers. And now they're mugs. Yeah. The, the mugs. Stickers, I need mugs. a mug. I'm yeah, absolutely so the mug, getting the mug, you guys. So there's the, the if you guys haven't seen it yet, um, if you skip last week's episode where we just did a rebroadcast of uh, our Van Lathan uh, Day After Tomorrow episode, merch store is launched. You can go to disastergirls.myshopify.com and check out our merch there. And we have like Disaster Girls, the graphic as shirts and stuff. We have just the, the title Disaster Girls as a logo. We will soon be getting Disaster Diva shirts like that explicitly just say Disaster Diva on them. <laughs> um, so you can brand yourself a Disaster Diva. But I, I definitely think that the crowning glory of it is the first round of Disaster Diva Saint stickers where we have uh, Joe from Twister. We've got Ellie from uh, Jurassic Park. And then we've got Captain Monroe Kelly from mm-hmm. from Congo uh, in all their Saints, Saints gear glory. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, they, the mug, so the mug has on one side, you can't see it in the, in the photos I posted, but one side is one is one of the saint stickers and the other side is the disaster girls logo. Oh, I did not know that actually. Yeah. So the other, the counter side, the counter side of all the mugs has our logo on it. So it's got so much on it. It's really cool. That's outstanding. Yeah, no, it's, I, I'm very amped about those. Um, so I guess Jordan, do you have any fantasy casting? I would, I would make, I liked the doctor lady scientist actor in this. Mm. I would make her, I just bumped my elbow and it hurts a lot. Oh no. Uh, (laughs) It is not a funny bone. It never has been. Why? Why? Lie. It's always been a terrible lie. What like awful dad joke of a person decided that that was what they were going to name that bone? Yeah. Like what a, what a bastard. Yeah. Um, I'm going to I'm going to make that Dr. Lady Scientist just because I I feel like I want to see her statuesque presence go toe to toe with the jaw of mm-hmm. Adrian Pazdar. Gina Torres is oh. going to be the Dr. Lady Scientist. We're really elevating this project. Great stuff. And then I'm going to make the I'm going to make the because she's kind of on the mind. I was watching the I've been watching lately the Resident Evil series on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make the eco girl. Uh, the eco warrior girl Ella Belinska, mm-hmm. who best known I would say from the Charlie's Angels reboot with Kristen Stewart. Oh my God, she is I believe um I think she was an Olympic javelin thrower or a long jumper. Mm-hmm. She was it's like an Olympic caliber athlete. She's about six feet tall. Sure. Um, and I think she would just make a she would cut a cut quite the figure. As an eco-warrior, we'll keep that guy alongside her, who sure. I think was kind of like had a thing going for him in the aughts. Um, Adrian Pazdar isn't going anywhere. That guy is sticking around. Or you know what? Maybe maybe we go sort of de rigor and alongside alongside Olbolinska, we make that guy uh, Jeremy, white hot talent, Jeremy Allen White from The Ooh, Bear. We sure. really We really make this a now project and put jeremy allen white in it you really dragged that one into 2022 yeah i mean give the people something to thirst for they love this man they love this man they love this man yeah they love this man like they've never ever ever seen a dirt bag before it's fascinating it's like you guys have you haven't made this specific bad choice i know you have i know you yeah i know so many of you who've made this bad choice like good for him did none of you yeah like wow 
like I realized when I when I saw Lord of the Rings, and I know it would have been I would have been like sixteen when the first one came out. Yeah, and I remember being like, "Oh my god, Aragon's so hot!" Yeah, and then I went and Googled what Viggo Mortensen looked like in real life, and I was like, "Oh, it's only when he's dirty that I'm attracted to him." Right. That's yeah. something I don't want to unpack further. <laughs> but it, like at that moment, I realized I was like, "I see." So there are some I men. I see. Like he, not that he's an unattractive man, but I was like, when he looks like he hasn't showered in three weeks, yeah, that does it for That's me. That's like the maximal appeal of that. Person. Yeah, and I was like, there's some men I understand now who look better when they look like they've never had running water. Yeah, when huh. they look just when they look just like they've got a crude oil on them. Yeah, so like I'm I'm confused about why this is happening to the rest of the internet now when this happened to me when I was 16. <laughs> it feels like a very 16 way to feel. Like how did you guys not put this all together sooner that sometimes you just want a man who looks like he smells. It feels like very it feels like a very primal response. Yeah. It feels like a very like darwinian compulsion toward like yeah, he probably smells. Yeah. Yeah, no, you just that that dude is nothing but pheromones. Yeah, yeah. Pheromones and very old cigarette smoke. Like, that's it. That's <laughs> what that man smells like. And, like, yeah, no, I, I the, the internet's response to him, like, I, I'm I watching the internet respond of, like, why do we find this? I'm like, because he's conventionally attractive and looks dirty. Like, yeah. What are, we, <laughs> what are you confused about? This isn't confusing. This like, isn't confusing. Yeah. This is, I also this, yeah. this has nothing to do with with that kind of thing. But I I my friend uh, Roxana Hadadi, the mm-hmm. TV critic, she loved the bear, and I remember replying to her on Twitter, and she was because she was like, I don't. What do you mean? What do you mean people think that his character wants to have sex with his sister? And I was like, Roxana, I've never watched this show. There are two things I know about it. Yeah, people are attracted to dirtbag Jeremy Allen White, and they think his character gonna fuck his sister i hate to break it to you friend but she was like no this isn't possible i was like i'm telling you i don't know anything else about what's going on in this program except those two things those are the two universal things that i know about the bear yeah it's- jeremy allen white's character can have sex with his sister weird sexual tension and also the internet is obsessed with how dirty and gross he looks yeah i i haven't watched the bear because i was just like the idea of a show that makes me uncomfortable and tense just isn't i, I like i'm thrilled that it's you won't successful. watch shiva baby I, yeah, I just don't want to, I just don't want to be stressed out while watching my television at night. Like, that's yeah. just not, <laughs> that's not the world I want to occupy. And I'm thrilled for people who, for whom it is. Right. Um, you, get enough, you get enough of that from the Dodgers. Yeah. Like, that's when I'm stressed. Like, that's it. That's good for me. I don't need to see other people be stressed out of their job. So I'm bringing um, that, I'm bringing that thirst to yeah. seeds of destruction. I like that. I like that. I, I am going to go in a totally opposite direction. If, okay. if someone comes to me and is like, we're making seeds of destruction. We got a Hollywood budget. Um, I'm going to really lean into the absurdity of the fact that we're dealing with the Garden of Eden. And so that means we got to get someone. So I'm going to gender flip. Mm-hmm. And the doctor lady scientist is going to become a theology professor. Okay. Yeah. Played by Nicolas Cage. Oh, great. Okay. Because I think it's time. We haven't, I don't think we fantasy cast him in anything. And you got to find the right project for him. And I yeah. think I mean, only... that's not, not national treasure. So yeah. So like Nicolas Cage running around yelling about the seeds from the garden of eden that i see yeah. i can see that as <laughs> yeah. if it were a movie that has already existed and i'm just yeah. gonna i need someone who's gonna play be able to play opposite that kind of energy and we've seen her do it once in jurassic park mm. i'm putting laura dern in there as oh, wow. the she's gonna be the head of whatever agency adrian past worked for 
Wow. Instead of being like whatever level he was, she's going to be the, she gets to keep her sad story. We're going to still get that great monologue in the, in the helicopter. Yeah. Um, but I want, I need someone who's going to be able to look at Nicholas Cage as he's yelling about the seeds from the garden of Eden and be able to hold her own against it. And I don't think you can do any, no one other than Laura Dern can do that. Laura, I mean, she yeah. delivers. She delivers. So I, that's where we're going. We're going, I'm going Nick Cage. I'm going Laura Dern. Okay. Uh, one of our, one of our first three disaster divas in our disaster diva lineup of stickers. Again, I'm just <laughs> yeah. going to plug that one more time. But I, I do think like, if anyone can look with bewilderment and awe, it's going to be her. And that's what mm-hmm. we need from that character. So that's where I'm going with that. How many star, how many towering infernos are you given this one? I'll give it a three. Ooh. Okay. I'll give it a three. All right. I think because I liked Adrian Pastar so much. Yeah. And I'm I'm just so affected by the eco horror that it like lingered with me. So I'll give okay. it that credit. And they really, they came out with so much gusto treating this like it was such a crisis when maybe it wasn't. Yeah. But like, yeah, way to lean into it. Way to put your back into terrifying vines. I like okay. it. Okay. Yeah, I would go. I'm, I'm giving it a strong 2.5. I think that's a totally legitimate rating. Yeah. Yes. Not... Not mad at it. Not going to say don't watch it. It was a perfectly fine time. I'm thrilled that I gave them the rental money. Like, yeah, great. Yeah, perfectly fine. I'm impressed with what they did with it. Don't need to revisit. Sure, yeah. Yeah, and that's what that's what, yeah. But uh, honestly, guys, Seeds of Destruction, throw it on. <laughs> it's a good it's a good one to like if you where you're gonna two screen or you're like man i gotta make a bunch of cookies for christmas yeah have that so, on on the side that's, yeah. that's a fun that's a fun little lark exactly it's one that you don't need to pay full attention to but every time you look up there's a really good chance you're gonna see just marauding vines and like what else do you want <laughs> yeah exactly exactly well so jordan next week we've got yeah exciting it's a real main event title, guys. So we've got Dante's Peak with mm-hmm. Phil Iscove. Mm-hmm. Uh, our friend, a Twitter Twitter gentleman, I guess, is the best way to describe him. <laughs> Twitter gentleman, uh, showrunner, television writer, TV creator, yeah. Phil Iscove. He does lots. Of, he he wears Podcast, many hats. Podcaster. He, the, I mean, him and podcaster. Kenny He's, Nybert have been so devoted to podcasts like it's 1990, which is coming to... It's yeah. conclusion. Phil is taking, yeah. he's going to do a new iteration of yeah. it, but like pod, like it's 1999 guys. They have finally come to the end of 1999. They have, they have exhausted 19. 19- yeah. So no, Phil, I call him general Twitter fellow because he's just like such a lovely online person. Oh yeah. Um, Phil created sleepy hollow. Yes. And then he's the creator of sleepy hollow TV writer, as you said, podcast, like it's 1999. He's going to, mm-hmm. he's, his new podcast is podcast. Like it's 1992, mm-hmm. um, which very excited about yeah i won't spoil for you which episodes i've already pleaded with him to take for that yeah but you'll be unsurprised to hear what they are once they're out i imagine and this is just a hunch it involves scary movies or action films it does ah it does. yeah I, I i i know that he wants uh, we have to find a disaster movie that hit in 1992 i don't think i think that's like one of the few gaps in time you're right that's interesting yeah. Yeah, I don't think there are really any from that right there because it's right before um, Jurassic Park hits and then we start the new wave of disaster movies. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But uh, yeah, it is so thrilled about that. And he is going to come on and talk Dante's Peak with us, which yeah. I'm so excited about. God. Yeah, especially now that we've done Skyfire like pretty recently. Dante's Peak is going to be a fun one to talk about in counterpoint to Skyfire. Um, and like, who doesn't want to just 
watch Pierce Brosnan fight a volcano. I do. I will say, uh, I wanted to get into these things, but uh, the uh, just Googled disaster movies, 1992. Things that have come up are seemingly the uplifting Dead Ahead, the Exxon Valdez disaster, a docudrama, (laughs) as well as Crash Landing, the rescue of Flight 232. Which is another, which is a drama and an action. Well, hey, it won a primetime creative arts Emmy award for outstanding sound editing for a limited or anthology series movie. That is special. what I look for in a film is is the sound editing. And it was nominated for a primetime Emmy for outstanding directing. Wow, maybe Crash Landing: The Rescue of Flight Two Thirty Two is a sneaky. There is a TCM page for this movie. Wow, this is a real twist. Maybe this is a movie that will become an important part. Of the disaster. It's got fucking James Coburn in it. Oh my God. It's got Richard Thomas in it. Philip Baker Hall. Wow. Guess we found our 1992 movie, honestly. I had no idea that this was. <laughs> None. Okay. What is it? Flight 232? Yeah. But it's a real fallow. It's a real no, fallow I'm looking at. Generally. Oh, they, they, if you go onto the Wikipedia entry for Flight 232, they have a photo of the aircraft involved in the accident cool. seen in January 1977. But like they, it's, it's just a photo of an airplane. Great. It's, okay. it's, it's yeah, it, it's not like this is a crash. It's apparently two planes collided. I don't know. No, well, and, they, I don't and know. Then... The point is, is that they have, they do have a photo though, like as if it is a, as if it's a notable figure. I love that they yeah. have a photo of the airplane from 1977, as if this is going to be an important thing that we need to know. Listen, guys, weigh in on Twitter and tell us, what do you like? What do you like? Do you like crash landing the rescue flight of 232? Or do you like the quiet killer? A doctor discovers that the malady affecting afflicting patients and staff at a New York hospital is a deadly new plague virus. Oh, it's that one. Tell us. I'm tell us it- what we should be covering in a 1992 conversation. Oh my god! I mean, I I would have to go plague virus in that case. <laughs> it feels more fun. I yeah, versus an actual airplane crash where actual yeah. people died and there's an actual memorial in Sioux City, Iowa. No, <laughs> yeah, that feels tough. that sounds like less fun than plague virus, which like whatever we live through that we're fine now. Yeah, we, yeah, we we get that. That's our experience. Yeah, that's I mean, our experience. We get to talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, we lived through that. We survived. Jesus. Well, Jordan, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at JorCru, J-O-R-C-R-U. Uh, you can find me there probably talking about the movie Megan because it's coming out the beginning of January and I love it. Uh, you can find me on the Feeling Scene pod, weekly new interviews, new guests, uh, wonderful conversations. And we are coming up to the, we are running through the end of our season of this uh, season four of Ots Tyrion. We are on a bit of an autumn hiatus, but we'll back for a few more episodes before we're done with that. Uh, so, you know, join us for those. And uh, yeah, then go into that back catalog of the whole movie podcast and listen to some Botcast in honor yep. of Megan. Listen to some Botcast. Absolutely. In honor. Do it. Do it because Megan wants you to. Exactly. And you wouldn't want to make Megan angry. That's uh, I've learned that from the trailer. I don't even need to see the whole movie for that. <laughs> and uh, you can find me. I'm Amanda Smith says on Twitter. And obviously we're disaster underscore pod on Twitter. We have disastergirls.myshopify.com is our mm-hmm. merch store. So please. The one thing I will say, having been wearing the sweatshirt for like a week straight, essentially, 
Um, it All is, right. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, it's a great when I'm cold in my apartment sweatshirt. I'm not currently wearing it because I'm like, this needs to be washed. This is disgusting. Um, <laughs> I will say that like, I have concerns about how the big graphic design will wear over time. Mm-hmm. because it is a large amount of graphic painted, basically painted on. So like, mm-hmm. you know, just as a heads up guys, not sure how it'll wear over time, but it's going to look great for the first few wears. <laughs> You're really downselling. Our I'm just like, Amanda. I'm just concerned. Like, I just feel very bad. I don't want people to buy these. And then like, because we have no control over the print quality, we used a good site, but like, we're not, we're not super yaki, super yaki's prints. That's that premium. shit lasts. Yeah, that's premium. Yeah, this is these will last. But because there is a lot of ink involved, um, I just I would say don't wash throw them in the dryer is probably my recommendation. <laughs> Hang dry. Disaster Girls merch. Hang dry only. Hang dry only. You know, the Disaster Girls merch is meant to be worn either sopping wet while you're running from a disaster or air drying after the disaster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely check out the merch site. There is a lot of really cool stuff. I know some people got their tote bags recently. Uh, the tote bags look fucking awesome. And yeah, they do. They look great. Yeah. The tote bags looked great. So there's a lot of cool stuff. And like I said, we're going to have, um, some disaster diva designs coming soon as well. And then, um, disastergirlspod at gmail.com if you need to email us. And otherwise we'll be back next week for Dante's peak. Yes. See you soon. Yeah. Main see event. You soon. Bye. <laughs>